For those of you who are joining us, uh, we started a series, a preaching series at the Newman Center on the kerygma, which means the proclamation. So anybody who proclaims is also known as a kerig. And as we go through this process, there are four stages of the proclamation of the good news. And the first one we looked at last week was creation. We took a step back to look at how massive our God is. Not like scare us, but like that he just spoke and like things were created. The stars, the heavens, the universes, the billions of stars, the trillions of stars. And we prayed for the gift of wonder at God's creation. We actually asked for the intercession of different people to help us understand this. We looked at different quotes from different saints to help us understand the mystery of God's creation. And asking the question of why is there something instead of nothing? Why is there something instead of nothing? And we looked at this God who created out of nothing, and he created the billions and billions of galaxies, the trillions and trillions of stars, and how he knows the name of every single star, every single planet, every grain of sand, every molecule in the world, and he knows them all by name. But there's one creature that he desired to be with the most, and it's you. And he knows each of you by name. And God's original intention for all eternity is to be in relationship with his people. And all of creation is is supposed to point towards this massive and immense and beautiful creator Well, then, today, what we're going to look at is, well, what happened? Why is everything just so screwed up? So this is not a very fun homily to give, because we're going to be talking about the devil and the reality of hell. Because if we don't know how bad the bad news is, my friends, we will not know how good the good news is, like what Jesus actually did in our gospel reading today. But what I want us to do is I want us to, I want to give you an image because I like images. I want to give you the image of like a supermoon. I don't know if you've ever heard of a supermoon before, but a supermoon is a moon that when it shines, even at night, you can't escape its light. It's one of those moons that when you have like those blackout curtains, you have to use them at night. And what we want to do is we want to ask for the moon, that light, to shine upon the devil and his tactics to capture us and enslave us. And Mary is often shown as standing on the moon or is symbolized by the moon because she reflects the light of God. And by her humility, by her humility, the devil was never able to get her because she didn't point to herself. She could have. She pointed to this creator. So what I'd like us to do is just to pray for a certain grace in this Mass and throughout this week. And it's not to scare you, but if we don't know how bad hell is and how awful the devil is, what Jesus did just doesn't make sense. The grace I actually want us to pray for is the grace of despair. You know, like when you sing the song, Amazing Grace, the God who saved a wretch like me, if we realize apart from God we're wretches, we get that song. We actually experience the awfulness of being out of a relationship with God. So I'd like to ask for Mary's intercession 
I'm a mama's boy. I love Mary. And I just wanted her to ask to shine that light off of her, coming from her son, over the devil and the reality of hell so you and I can understand how he works and what his plan for your life is compared to what God's plan is for your life. So please pray one Hail Mary with me right now. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. So a couple of weeks ago, I thought I had COVID. I actually went and got tested on a Friday, and that was awful in itself because your mind is kind of like the mega ball, you know, like, the, like when you go out to like get money and, and go for the mega ball to win the trillions of dollars or billions or whatever they have out there. And it's just like the balls are just popping and my mind is going like crazy because I got tested. My symptom was I was short of breath. But I had nothing else. I didn't have a temperature. I didn't have sore throat, snotty nose, or whatever weird things people have with COVID. And then Saturday, I, I woke up, felt fine. And at random times, I'd just be short of breath. And I started to get confused. And Sunday, same thing. But then Monday morning, at 3 a.m. on the dot, I looked at my watch, and I could barely breathe. I felt like I had something squeezing my windpipes. So I got my rosary and I prayed the rosary. I prayed the Divine Mercy Chapel for like an hour, hour and a half. And then I got my test results back saying I tested negative. I'm like, well, what the heck is going on? I don't understand. So then I called our diocesan nurse and I said, what should I do? She says, well, you have health conditions. You told me your lungs collapsed like seven times. I'm like, true. She's like, you should probably go to the doctor and get your blood work done, get an EKG or ECG, and get a chest x-ray. So I did. Spent my Monday afternoon doing that, and I got tested for COVID again, and everything, that test came back negative, and all my tests that I just told you about came back normal. So I'm like, okay, <laughs> what's going on? So I called the priest who knows a thing or two about a thing or two, and he recommended that I would be prayed with with a prayer team. And they prayed over me, and two spirits that were attacking me by keeping me short of breath are the spirit of death and the spirit of confusion. And that means the Lord wants to bring the opposite in. So I've personally just recently experienced the devil. <laughs> and he's real. And who is the devil? Like when we, you and I look up things, we have all these different places to look, but I would really encourage you to look at the catechism. Has all, which has all the teachings of the Catholic Church. And the Catechism says, the Church teaches that Satan was, a, was at first a good angel. Everything was created good, made by God. And later says, the devil and other demons were indeed created naturally good by God, but they became evil by their own doings. They chose not to serve. They actually were jealous of God. And we hear about that in Genesis, Genesis 3.1, where we read the words, Now the serpent, the more subtle, more subtle than any other wild creature that the Lord God had made, he said to the woman, Did God say to you, You shall not eat of any tree in the garden? So what the first thing the devil wants you and I to do, the bad angel, right, 
He wants you and I to doubt that you can trust God. He really wants to fill you with doubt that you can actually trust him. And he has a plan to fill you with doubt and despair that you cannot. And he also wants you and I to grab for anything but God. They're grabbing for the wrong fruit in the tree, right? That's the fruit we're supposed to grab for, my friends. And the devil just whispers little lies into the ears of Adam and Eve. And the devil has different names. He comes with a power. He comes with an authority. He's also known as the ruler of this world. He's known as the prince of the power of the air. Even St. Peter, our first pope, says, the devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And the beloved disciple John, he says, the whole world is in the power of the evil one. And he has names. He has an identification. So when he, before he fell and chose not to serve, his name was Lucifer, the light bearer. But after he fell and chose not to serve, his name became the accuser, also known as Satan or the devil, also known as the divider or the deceiver. And I don't think a lot of people know why he rebelled. Why did he choose not to serve this God who created the stars, the heavens, you, he created them all good? Why? It is because of envy. Envy is different than jealousy. Envy actually becomes, means becoming deeply sad at another person's good deeds. And you actually want them to suffer for those good deeds. But the question is, who is the devil or what is the devil envious of? I'm looking right at them. The devil is envious and jealous of you because you and I are made in the image and likeness of this good, good God. And he tries to instill in us that God is somehow jealous of us. Just a word is that God is fully good, happy. He doesn't need you and I, yet he breathes life into us, which means he has a plan for us. And if you and I really come to know who the devil is and how he works that he's actually envious of us, then we have to know that you and I have to fight. That the devil wants you to think that you're not good at all. That God created you good, he says, no, you're not. <laughs> he wants you to doubt God's goodness and that you are good. And the amount of people that I have encountered that do not believe they are good at all is astounding. 
Maybe you've heard people say under the breath, well, I'm no good. And my job as priest is to remind you of this amazing creator God who created you good, but not just good, but very good. And if you don't believe that you are not just good, but very good, that means the devil's already been whispering lies into your ear. He's been doing what his name says he does. He's been dividing and deceiving and scattering. So when you and I encounter him, we have to make sure we don't dialogue with him. Pope St. John Paul II, he would often say, don't dialogue with the dragon because he's powerful. He is extremely powerful. And he is, as we heard earlier, he is the king of this world or the prince of this world. That means he has a kingdom. And one of the ways that Jesus talks about the devil is he says that he is a strong man. But the only way to conquer the strong man is to bind him up and kick him out. So by Jesus being this creator God made man, what he came to do is to go to war with sin and death and not to allow the prince of the world to have any more dominion. He actually came to kick him out, to go to war. I don't think a lot of us know that. I don't think a lot of us see Jesus as a warrior God who loves you so intensely that he went to war with sin and death to conquer the evil one's reign, to place his cross right on top of that false kingdom, to claim you back as a very, very good son and daughter. I don't think a lot of us know that. When I grew up, I heard things like, Jesus is the Son of God, but I didn't know that Jesus is God. I didn't know that. For some reason, that just kind of went over my head. The whole idea of the Trinity went way over my head. And how does the devil work? Like, what are his tactics so you and I know how, know how to defend ourselves against him? You know, for a few things, things he does is he accuses. He lies. You can't trust God. You're not good. And for some of us, it's that you're not lovable. There is one of the most awful lies I've ever heard. Also that he divides. He flatters. Priests love looking for compliments after Mass, right? Well, that's a great homily, Father. Well, how good was it? Tell me, right? But we really don't need that because as soon as we get flattered, the devil loves flattering priests and he just wipes them out. And you, and I, you and I need encouragement, but like authentic encouragement. And like when you see someone do a good deed, you actually go up to them saying, what you just did made me want to be a better person. Keep going. You're making a difference. I'm very impressed by what you're doing. Thank you. The devil never does that. He also tempts us by going on the internet looking at inappropriate things and telling us that lie that it won't hurt anyone. It's not a big deal. And what sin does is, is sin is, is it looks good, right? And it lies to us. Well, it won't make a big deal. It's not a big deal. And then it enslaves us. We feel like we can't beat it because I've been struggling with drinking alcohol or I've been struggling with gossip or looking at inappropriate things on the internet 
for sometimes 5, 10, 15, 20, 30, 50 years. And we don't know that Jesus came to break those bonds, to break those chains. As we're going to hear next week, he says, I have come to, to proclaim liberty to captives. And a lot of us, for some reason, we don't think that that could be us. Another lie. So, what does Satan want for you and I? Satan wants to destroy us. He wants to deface us so much that we don't think that we're good anymore, <laughs> that we're not made in God's image and likeness, but he wants to enslave us, to think that there's no hope for you, there's no better, there's no better way. Why even try anyone? He wants to discourage you, frustrate you. And Jesus wants the opposite for you. He wants freedom for you. And when you and I allow that bright light to shine upon the darkness, the lies go away and there's a truth behind every lie. And some of them are very clear. What's the opposite of doubt? Trust. What's the opposite of hopelessness? Hope. And that's what the Lord wants to come and bring into you. But if you don't know the despair of being under his dominion, then you also probably don't know what in the world it costs the Father to send his only Son to win you back. To tell you the truth in the depths of your soul that you are good. To tell you in the depths of your soul that you are lovable. To tell you in the depths of your soul, whatever you've been struggling with for 5, 10, 15, 20, 50 years, there is hope for you. There is indeed hope for you. I just want to bring this all home to a very serious matter to kind of make that grace of praying for despair to come, become a little more real. Hopefully a lot of us know just how awful the reality of human trafficking is. There's more slavery in the world right now than there's ever been. And one of the images that was given to me as far as who the devil is, is, is he is the human trafficker, sending all, all his evil spirits to traffic you and I, to enslave us and manipulate us. And if that image doesn't like, really move you. I want to imagine someone you love who's being trafficked, bound up on a chair, just screaming, begging for someone to come and save them. And our world, whether it realizes it or not, is begging and screaming for someone to come and save them. And that's what you and I are called to do, is to tell them about this Jesus who's done it all, who can save them. And then the goal is, is that you and I are called to help others respond to that amazing event of the resurrection where he conquered sin and death. It's not a very fun homily to give. But in these dark months of Advent, 
The Lord wants to shed light into that darkness. So as we enter into Mass and we celebrate every single Mass, we're called to offer all of our doubts, all of our fears, all of our anxieties, anything that lies to us, our loved ones who have fallen away, we're called to offer them on this altar, to consciously offer with the priest. But in a strange way, I just want to encourage you to pray for grace this week of despair. Because if we know what despair is, we also know what an amazing grace it is what the Father did for us by sending us his only son to go to war with sin and death, to win you back, to tell you from the mountaintops that you are good, that you are loved. And if we know that, we have to share that. We have to. The gospel message compels us to do so. So next week we're going to look at what did God actually do by sending his only son to go to war with sin and death? What was Jesus actually doing when he was on earth? Right now it's just a little bit sobering. And that can be a good thing because that means we're waking up. We ask for all the angels and saints to walk with us this week to pray for that grace, but also to rejoice. So when Christmas Day comes, you and I know exactly why God became man. There's no more doubt. There's no more hopelessness. We're full of trust and hope. Take a moment of silence to consciously offer ourselves, our prayers on this altar where true hope is found in Christ Jesus in the Eucharist. Amen.